Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. We're going to have so much fun today. I have been gripping this microphone like you wouldn't believe because I'm so excited about this topic. I have been having a riot this morning. I'm not even going to bring my chair up here because I know I can't sit still. I got I to gotta, I, I gotta teach you this. Um, because the Lord, I, I, the Lord is raising up a generation of faith-filled followers, faith-filled believers, and I don't want you to miss out on what God is doing in the earth today. And look, I, I'm telling you, he's looking for a church who will rise up and be the church that we're called to be, that will actually use our faith for the glory of his name, not for selfish reward, but for the glory of his name. And I promise you, you are not using, I don't care how old you are in, in the Lord or how young you are in the Lord, you need more faith in your life and you need to exercise more faith in your life. And, and I'm telling you, that's straight across the board, everybody. So today is gonna be very foundational uh, as to, what, uh, as to uh, what faith really is. We're gonna define faith. We're gonna give some facts about faith. And then over the next few weeks, I don't want you to miss it because, uh, you know, last Sunday we took a survey. We asked this question, uh, what's keeping you... From believing for the miraculous, for for believing for the impossible, what's keeping you from that? And as I expected, I just wanted to make sure. But as I expected, there were three topics that came up over and over and over again in the in the in the survey that you turned into us. And I'm going to be addressing those three things over the next three weeks. And and. Um, it's gonna release you to be the person of faith that God has called you to be. And I promise you, he's called you to be a person of faith, to believe for the supernatural. Okay, so that being said, faith defined, we're gonna let the word of God define faith for us. And this is the most, obviously, the, the, the most quoted verse in scripture concerning faith. It is, it's the, the biblical definition of faith, and it's Hebrews 11, verse one. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're gonna break that down today. So we're gonna start out with that verse. We're gonna come back to it in just a little bit. And I'm gonna further define faith for you. Okay, so letter A, write this down, that faith is built on the character and the nature of God. So you need to know what faith is built on. Faith is built on the character and the nature of God. Of God, that you are trusting when you are using your faith, exercising your faith, you are not trusting your goodness, you are trusting the goodness of your God. So watch this in 1 John 1, 5, of all of the verses, and I, and I could have pulled 100 for this, I, I just chose 1 John 1, 5, it might be, it's so beautiful, you probably need to memorize it, but here it goes, 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we heard from Jesus, let's stop right here. So this isn't from your mama, this isn't from your best friend, this isn't from a coworker. This is from Jesus himself. This is the message that Jesus was giving his followers. So if you're a follower of Christ today, you need to listen up because this is what Jesus would teach you. Ready? Watch this. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. There's none. There's no darkness. There's, there's no immorality. God is not a liar. He is not a cheater. He's not a thief. He's not a hater. 
There is no darkness in God whatsoever. And so your faith is not based upon your goodness. Your faith is based upon the goodness of God. Your faith is based upon the character and the nature of God. Let me say it this way. The Bible says that even though we are faithless sometimes, God is still faithful. Why is that? Because there's no darkness in him whatsoever. Let me say it this way. That God has been, is, and always will be absolutely trustworthy. He's worthy of your trust. Why? There is no darkness in him whatsoever. He's fully trustworthy. Okay, so that's that right there. If you get nothing else out of today, you need to walk home with that, that God is trustworthy and he's perfect and he's beautiful and he's magnificent and he's merciful and he's kind. God is good always, always. He's always living for your good. He's always living for your benefit. He's not playing games with you. He wouldn't do that. There's no darkness in him at all. And a lot of people don't trust God because they don't understand the character and the nature of God. In fact, let me prove that to you. So a lot of people, they hit a situation in their life, something goes awry, something goes wrong, and their first instinct is to point their finger at God and say, God, why did you do that? And to that, I'd say one of two things. Either you don't know the word of God or you're not remembering the word of God. Because in God, there is no darkness at all. So something bad happens, and you point your finger at God and say, God, I cannot believe you just did that. And you're pointing your finger at God as if there's darkness in him, as if there is evil in him. Instead of pointing your finger to the enemy, the devil and his demons, you're pointing your finger at God. You're pointing your finger at the one in whom there is no darkness when the devil is full of nothing but darkness? Isn't, isn't the devil sneaky to deceive you? To think that there's evil in God? So you, if you're gonna rise up as a person of faith, you have to understand that there is no darkness in him at all. That God is light. And he is life, and he is love, and he is good all the time. In fact, I'm going to give you the second thing, that faith affirms that God's word is already fulfilled. Okay, so faith is built on the character and the nature of God, and it's an affirmation that the word of God is already fulfilled. Fulfilled. I'm going to read to you a verse of scripture, Hebrews 6.18, that I often refer to, but I hardly ever give you the actual passages from, but here it is, Hebrews 6.18. It says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. And you could read it like this, everybody, that every single thing that God says, this applies to. That his promise, his oath, his word, his very word. These two things are unchangeable because, here it is, it is impossible for God to, to lie. I've, I've taught you that time and time. Again, it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope 
that lies before us. So when you are a person that runs to God, you run to his goodness, you run to his faithfulness, you run to his love, that you can have confidence in life and you can have a hope in your life. In fact, I'm, I wanna tell you, I wanna teach you that faith and hope are connected. You cannot have faith without hope and you cannot have hope without faith. They are different, but they are certainly connected. So the biblical definition of hope is confident expectation. Faith is a confident expectation in God. Hope is a confident expectation in God. I have no question about it that God is going to be good, that God is going to provide confident expectation. So hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is actually confidence. So your version of hope, you're just like, well, I really hope I get that car. Well, that's just wishful thinking. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is, oh, I know I'm gonna get that. I, I know that God is gonna provide for me. I, I know that God is gonna supply this need. I just know that God's gonna do it. It's a confident expectation. So hope and faith are connected. I, I, I've heard it said this way, that, that faith that faith is the belief, that faith is belief in God and hope is the feeling that accompanies faith. So faith is this belief, I know God. One thing I know, God is gonna supply my needs. God's gonna take care of me. Well, this confident expectation comes out and that confident expectation is, some, some would say, is the feeling behind the faith. It's the feeling behind the faith. So I have faith. I know God is going to do it. I believe God is going to do it. And now I'm just waiting for him to do it. And so I can still smile. I can have this confidence in my life because I know God is good. He's going to supply every single thing that I need because his word promises me that that's what he's going to do. So faith and hope are connected. Faith and hope are connected. Okay, so, so here we have just a basic foundation. Let's go a little bit deeper. Let's talk about the facts of faith. And the first thing I want to say is this, that God loves and rewards faith. God loves and rewards faith. He loves it. In fact, let, let's go ahead and read this uh, verse of scripture to you. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him. How many anyones do we have in the room? Is there an anyone in the room? Raise your hand if you're an anyone. Okay, so that should be all of us, right? I mean, let's admit it, you're an anyone. So the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's absolutely impossible, but, but because anyone, and that's you and me, who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's stop right there. So God loves and rewards faith. The Bible never, never allows for doubt in your life. Like there's never a verse in the Bible. There's not one verse in the Bible that talks about a man or a woman and say, oh, that was so wonderful where God just applauds somebody. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Your doubts were so huge. Well done for not believing. God never does that. How many knows that's not in the Bible? Not in the Bible. In fact, it's the exact opposite that over and over and over again, it proves to us that God loves, he loves, he loves faith and he rewards 
faith. In fact, he just has an expectation that all of his followers are going to be faith-filled followers. And we see it over and over and over in Scripture. He keeps encouraging them to have faith, to keep believing. In fact, did you know that the Bible says that every single time we gather, what we are supposed to do is encourage one another up in the faith? Did you know that? That that's a calling that God has put not upon New Song Church only, but across, across the world that every Bible-believing church is meant to encourage each other in the faith. And yet, how many times did Jesus go to his disciples, King James Version, O ye of little faith. When Jesus looked at his disciples, let me ask you, you don't have to raise your hand, are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Christ? Would Jesus look at you and say, oh, ye of little faith? Let me say it a different way. How often would he? Because I know he would. Because if you're anything like me and we're all just growing in the Lord, there have been moments where I have not been faith-filled. Far too often, actually. I'm growing in my faith. I'm using my faith like I never have before. But I still have moments where I question. And I've just made a determination in my life that I don't want Jesus to ever look at Justin and say, Justin, why do you have so little faith? And Jesus is constantly telling his followers, his disciples, when are you going to start believing for the impossible when actually nothing is impossible with God? He he challenges them all the time in his word, doesn't he? There's things that they want to do, they can't do, and he says, well, that's a lack of faith. That's a lack of faith. They're they're in a storm, and they go to Jesus, don't you care? We're in the storm, we're about to die, and what's he look? What are you guys stressed about? I don't understand. And he just speaks a word, peace. By the way, if you go to Israel, we'll, we'll, actually, we'll actually be where that happened. It's going to be the coolest thing. Um, and, and when you see it, and I've obviously seen it, where, and, and storms just gather in this location, especially in the Sea of Galilee, storms just gather there. And, and all of a sudden, you, it, the Bible just comes to life. It's so beautiful. I can't wait to go, to go back to Israel. I hope you can, hope you can join us. So I'm going to go back to Hebrews 11, 6. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. My question to you is, are you going to earnestly seek him or are you not? Let me say it this way. A lot of people want the blessing, but they don't want the seeking. A lot of people want the reward, but they don't like the pursuit. What's gonna be said about you? Because isn't it interesting that a lot of people live life and they're not thinking about God at all until they get in trouble. And then it's all of a sudden, call out to God. Now, listen, let me say this way, that there's nothing wrong. You should call out to God no matter what all the time. I'm not putting them down. In fact, when people do that, I'm like, well, at least you know who, who your source of hope is. But a lot of people want the rewards of God, but they never pursue God. They want the blessings of God, but they never earnestly seek after God. 
And I want you to know that if you're not seeking after God, if you're not in earnest pursuit of God, you're actually limiting the, the, the level of miracles that you're gonna see in your life. Well, if I were to say to you, how many, how many, want God, how many of you want God to limit the miracles that you see in your life? You're like, not me, I want them, I want them all. Like I want every miracle that God has for me. Okay, you've gotta earnestly seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently, earnestly seek after him. That means in all things at all times. You're just living with Jesus on the brain, everybody. I'm just living my life. Every day, every, everywhere I go, I'm thinking God thoughts all day long. Every now and then the devil likes to put evil thoughts in my mind. I just try to reject those. Nope, I think God thoughts. And so I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm worshiping. I'll tell you, even I don't care where I am, where I'm going. I'm always looking for opportunities to minister. I'm always looking for opportunities to bring somebody to Christ. You know, when I, when I was in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I was around a lot of people, and I knew I was going to be in a camp, like at, at a lodge with other, with other hunters. I knew that there, I was going to be around some people, and no doubt that there were going to be some people there that didn't know Jesus. So before, as I'm, as I'm literally driving to Colorado, part of my prayers driving there was, Lord, would you create an opportunity for me to share the good news of Jesus with these, with these guys and girls that don't know you? I was concerned for them even though I had not met them yet. They were on my heart because they were on God's heart. And when I got there, I'm looking for opportunities to share Jesus. See, see, pursuit, the pursuit of the Lord is not only in prayer, it's not only in worship, it's in life. See, I'm not just pursuing God in prayer, I'm not just pursuing him in worship, I'm, I'm pursuing his will, I'm pursuing his heart. I'm pursuing obedience. Everybody get what I'm talking about. I'm thinking God thoughts all the time. I can't go anywhere without wondering if that person knows Jesus. I can't go anywhere without, without praying, Lord, what would you want me to do? What do you, what do you want me to do? It, let, me, let me ask you a question. Would you have your pastor be any other way? Do you think God wants you to live any other way? Let me say it this way. I don't do that because I'm a pastor. I do that because I'm a follower of Jesus and I live to make him known throughout the world. I do it because I'm a Christian, because I'm a follower of Christ. Do you see it? When I went into that camp, I didn't tell people I was a pastor. I didn't, I didn't care if they knew or not because that wasn't as important to me as this. Do they know? See, it wasn't about who I am. It was about who they are. It was about them. Do you know Jesus? And then, and then when I'm out, I'm out in, in, in the national forest all by myself and I'm just, I'm hiking and it's pouring down rain and I'm like, this is miserable and I love it. I guess I'm out here and it's great. And I'm thinking, I could do alone. I could do alone for about 20, you know that movie, the, the show, the TV show alone? I could do that for about 20 to 40 days. After that, uh -uh, not, not gonna do it because I, like I don't like that much cold, I guess is what I'm saying, but as I'm walking around this national forest, I keep thinking to myself, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray a bear doesn't come out and attack me. <laughs> Keep me safe, Lord, but thank you. If you want to know the truth, what I was praying was when it was, it was a, I mean, a downpour, and I was, I was on these trails and even off trail multiple times, and I just kept praying, Lord, protect my ankles, protect me so I don't fall. And Because, and, I mean, I was miles out in the wilderness, and if I fell and snapped an ankle... It would have been a little while before somebody got to me. 
and I, I was praying, but at the same point, I'm looking at the beauty of God's creation. How can you go out in the woods and not say, thank you, Lord? How can you not go out in the mountains? How can you not go out in the prairies? How, how, I mean, even in, I, even in Nebraska, I was driving through Nebraska and I said, thank you, Lord, for all this corn. That just happened one time and then I was done with it because it's so boring in Nebraska. You're like, who lives in Nebraska? Nobody in the right mind. That's who lives there. <laughs> Iowa's not much different, but they got big bucks in Iowa. That's all I got to say about that. I, I, I actually came back with an appreciation for Northern Indiana. If you ever, if you ever don't think highly of Northern Indiana, just, just take a drive out to Denver and drive through Nebraska and you'll realize that we are, su we, are, we are blessed here in Northern Indiana that we don't have to live out there, everybody. That's all I'm saying. And I just find things to praise God about all the time, all the time. I'm just praising God. All See, I'm seeking the Lord all the time. His, it, I, I'm thinking thoughts about him. I'm thinking thoughts about others. I'm thinking of how to be obedient, how to pursue him, how to worship, how to, how to pray, but also how to talk and how to encourage and how to strengthen. I just think, in those, I think those thoughts all the time. And the Bible says that he rewards those who diligently pursue him, who earnestly seek after him, who, who want to be obedient to him in all things at all times, that he loves, he loves rewarding us. He loves rewarding us. What I found out is there's a lot of miracle wanters, but there's not a lot of God seekers. I'm going to say it again. There's a lot of miracle wanters, but there's not a lot of God seekers. Don't let that be said about you. So I'm telling you, if you really use your faith, you're gonna have to kick off the mediocrity that has kept you down, the lukewarmness that has kept you down, and you, it's gonna force you to move forward in your relationship with God if you were to exercise your faith. It forces you out of mediocrity. So move forward in faith, new song. Number two, another fact about faith is a lack of faith produces a lack of miracles. A lot of people say, well, why isn't God doing this? And I would question them and say, well, how's your faith? Let's talk about your faith. What does your faith look like? Let me show you this in scripture. Matthew 13, verse 54. This is about Jesus. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James and Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where, where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him because Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor in his own town and in his own home. He was saying to them, you know me better than anybody, but you don't know me. Watch this, verse 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Write, write this down, number three, that my view of God determines my level of faith. And their view of Jesus in that moment was, who, who does he think he is? We know his brothers, and we know his sisters, and we know his mom, and we know what the family does for a living. And, how did he, and they took offense at him. They took offense at him. And what did that do? It restricted the miracles that they could have received. Why? Because their view of God, their view of God determines it determined their level of faith, and your view of God determines your level of faith. 
So if you don't ultimately believe that God is good, if you don't, if you don't ultimately believe the word of God, you won't see the miracles of God like he wants you to see. If you don't believe the fact that God is good, that his love endures forever, that he does the impossible on a regular basis, that there is no darkness in him at all, that there is no evil in him at all, if you don't believe the fact that he's working all things together for your good, if you don't believe in his faithfulness and mercy and kindness and patience and grace and his love, and if you don't believe in the character and the very nature of God, you know what you're doing? You're restricting the miraculous in your life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to restrict the miraculous. I want to enjoy the miraculous. So therefore, I, I fill my, my, my mouth with words that say, Father, you are good. Thank you for being so good, Lord. Thank you for treating me so much better than I deserve. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your, your just beauty in my life, for your magnificence, for your power. I honor you in all things. And the more that I worship the Lord concerning his character and nature, the more that the belief in me, the faith in me rises up. And if you're waiting, by the way, well, one of these days when I'll be good enough, when, when I get good enough, then I'll see the miraculous. When I get good enough, then I'll see God work. Can I tell you something? You don't understand the Bible. And you don't understand who you are. You know what the Bible says about your best day? That your righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. Let me say it this way, that on your best day, I mean your best day, your righteousness is like filthy rags in comparison to God. <laughs> Let me say it a different way. You don't have any best days. How's that? You don't have any best days in yourself. You don't have much to offer God. If you're waiting for perfection to come in your life before you can believe for the miraculous, then you don't understand the character and the nature of God, that he's not expecting you to be perfect. He just wants you to believe anyway. And can I tell you something? That belief, when, when you just trust God's goodness above your own, oh, now you're on to something. Now you're gonna experience something. Because every time I believe in something, listen, new song, every time I believe for the miraculous, I am not believing in Justin's goodness. I am believing in the goodness of my God and the mercy of my God. And he comes, he comes through over and over and over. Can I tell you something? Your, your view of God determines your level of faith. You know, a lot of people have asked me, they said, Pastor, are you... Are you nervous about the, you know, the future, the, the future expansion and when's that gonna happen? They're asking a lot of questions. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and hey, hey, are you nervous about that? No, not at all. I got questions. I, I don't know when exactly it's gonna happen. I, I don't know. I, there, there's some things I have questions about. I'm not nervous at all. And here, here's why I'm not nervous. Because God supplies my needs, your needs, all of our needs. And at just the right time, he's gonna come through. And he puts everything together. He just puts it all together. So here's the bigger fact of the matter. I'm not nervous. It's not my church. It's his church. This church, new song belongs to him. It doesn't, I mean, it belongs to us. It belongs to us. 
but it's his church. I realized a long time ago, God pays the bills for his own church. He just does that. He's the owner of, he's the owner of us. You see that, everybody? I'm not nervous. I, I'm, we're being good stewards. In fact, our, our council, our, our church council, they, they oversee the kind of the business aspects of, you know, every, every church has certain business aspects in it. Uh, that, that there's, there's tithes and offerings that come in and there's expenses that goes out and there's staff and there's salaries with that and there's facility costs and ministry costs. And I'm so thankful for our council. They do such a great job and we're, we're throwing back a lot of money for future expansion. And when the time is right, we'll expand. And, and uh, what I'd like to do, they don't, get, they don't get honor often enough. Could we just give it up for our council here at the church that do, just do a phenomenal job? You'll hear more about that later. They just do a phenomenal job. I'm so, I'm so proud of them and happy to call them friends. Um, God supplies all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Not because you're good, not because you're, you deserve it. In fact, you don't. We serve a merciful, gracious God. I, I wanna read this, and I could have chosen a lot of verses again, but Romans chapter 11, verse 33 Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. He's bigger and better and stronger and greater than anything you could ever imagine. With God, there, there is no limits to his power. There's no limits to his understanding there's no limits to his goodness. He is so wonderful, so wonderful. One of these days, we'll get to experience him in a way that we cannot, as long as we're tied to these bodies. But one of these days, we're gonna be in heaven and we're gonna experience God and we are gonna be blown away by how great and awesome he truly is and how loving he truly is is, I'm gonna show you this verse again. I'm coming back to it now. Like I said, I would. Hebrews 11:1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is substance and evidence. I'm gonna explain that to you. And again, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm building this so that you can understand better what we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks. Faith is, number four, faith is the current ownership of what I do not see. The Bible says, the Bible calls it, it's the substance of what I hope for. It's the substance. It's the current ownership of what I do not see. Number five, a promise from God is the evidence that God is working in my present and in my future. I'm gonna break this down to you in a way that that I hope you'll understand, that I, I, I hope the Holy Spirit will bring clarity to you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I have to take ownership, substance, I have to take ownership of that which I do not see as of yet. I have to take ownership of that which I do not see I have a confident expectation about it because hope and faith are connected, but I have to take ownership of something that I do not see. And how do I take ownership of that? Well, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
So I need some evidence in my life that I can hold on to, that I can own, that I can possess, that guarantees what God is going to do. Let me, let me spell this out for you. The word of God is a binding legal contract between you and our heavenly father. And in this legal contract that is very binding, there are promises that belong to you and belong to me as followers of Jesus Christ. So I have evidence right here in the word of God. I have evidence that says that God is going to do the miraculous. Let me say it this way. I'm going to pull one verse out of the Bible, only one verse out of the Bible, and I'm going to explain, I'm going to explain um, just this one promise to you, uh, and, and I'm going to show you how often it applies to your life. So the promise, one of the promises, one of the hundreds of promises in the Bible is this, that God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. How many know that that's in the Bible? That God will supply, come on everybody, how many know that this is in the Bible? Okay, God shall supply all of my needs. He's going to provide for all of my needs. He's going to bring provision in my life for every area, in, in, in which every area I'm I'm in need of. Now, most people apply that to finances, but finances are not connected to that verse. The Bible just simply says, he shall supply all of my needs. Well, sometimes I have financial needs. Sometimes I have physical needs. Do you? Sometimes I have emotional needs. Sometimes I have spiritual needs. And the Bible is very, very clear. If we just took that one promise from God and ignored all the rest, Let's say we took that one promise from God and God said it and it's in a legal binding contract in his words, in God's words, I will provide for you every single thing that you need. How many more promises would you need? Not many. I mean, think about this, that one promise, do you know how many problems that covers in your life? Do you know how many problems in your life is based, by the way, this is a sermon for another, that's based upon lack, that's based upon need? And God says, no, 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 I got that. I'll supply for you. I'll, I'll provide for you. And he puts it in writing. And this in writing is the evidence that you need. It isn't done yet, but I already possess it. I already own it. You say, Pastor, that doesn't make sense. See, you're thinking, you're thinking thoughts that are limited to your view about the present and the future, and by the way, the past. The Bible says it this way, that God is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. What you are believing for right now, God has already accomplished. He already sees it. He's the beginning from the end. Everybody see what I'm saying yet? that he already knows exactly when he's going to give you what you're believing for. So in my mind, as a person of faith, I take ownership of what I already possess in Christ Jesus. I take ownership of what he's already guaranteed. I don't know exactly when I'm going to see it, but I know I'm going to see it because in the mind of God, it's already accomplished. He is the beginning from the end. He is the alpha and the omega. See, you're limited to, to this period of time. It's hard for you to see in the future. In fact, you don't even know, the Bible says it this way, you don't even know what a day holds. 
I was just talking to my son last night. He was talking to me about something. I, was, I said, Zay, this is so interesting. I said, the Bible's pretty clear about this, that, that a lot of people plan for tomorrow and they're worried about tomorrow when they should just be focused on today. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. And we need to add to that, well, tomorrow I'll go here or there, Lord willing, the Bible says. Lord willing. Meaning, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Can I tell you something? God does. He's not limited to time, space, and matter. He's not limited to time like you and I are. No, he, listen, that thing that you're believing for according to his will, it's already yours in Christ Jesus. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So, so our new building, where are all of those funds going to come from? I don't know. But God does. And New Song already possesses everything that we need. We haven't seen it yet. But we've already taken ownership of it. It's, our, it's, already, it's already ours in Christ Jesus. Well, when's it going to get here? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. How's it going to get here? I don't know. But God's never failed me yet. He's never failed you yet. He's never failed us yet. He's never given me a reason not to believe him. And so I just believe him. Oh, at the right time, it'll, it'll happen. And so we're going to just head in that direction. We're going we're to do our due diligence. We're going to go in that direction. We're going to keep pursuing. When God shuts a door, the door will just be shut. But when he opens it, we're going to go through. And we're going to trust God that at the right time, it's going to happen. I, I fully expect that we'll probably break ground in 2024. I, I think we will. If it's 2025, that's all right. I'm okay with that. Because it's his church. It's not mine. It belongs to him. It belongs to him. You're my family, but you belong to God. Do you see that? You're my family, but you belong to God. He's our father. He's our father. Watch this, 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no, for no matter how many promises God has made, and there are many, they are yes in Christ. That, that means that they are affirmed in Christ Jesus. And so through him, through Christ, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I'm gonna say it this way. So we have a promise. The Lord is gonna supply all of my needs, financial, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. He's gonna supply all of my needs. And that's a promise, and I take ownership of it. I know it to be true. And to that, I say a very big amen. That's what the Bible says. Amen means so be it. So be it. Now, now listen to this again. The promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us. Oh, Father, I read your promise, and I say amen. Amen. So be it. All of that for the glory of God. The, the Bible says it this way, that, that when we pray, we have to have the right motivation because God doesn't answer selfish prayer. Did you know that God never honors selfishness? Ever. We never find one scripture where God just honored selfishness. Oh, I'm so proud of you. You're so stingy here. 
And God never does that. Have you ever noticed that? But he always rewards generosity. And he always rewards faith, by the way. And so when we live our lives for the glory of his name, we come across a promise, we take possession of it, it's already accomplished. And the evidence of that is I have a legal binding contract that God says he's going to do it and it's impossible for God to lie. So I take possession of that promise. It is evidence to me that God is going to do the miraculous and it's gonna be for the glory of his name. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think selfish thoughts. I'm not gonna pray for, for selfish things, no. I'm gonna pray that God would be glorified in all things at all times. And I'm just living to make his name famous in the earth. Is that the driving force of your life? Do you want the blessings of God, the rewards of God without the seeking? Or will you own up to the fact that it's so easy to want the blessings without the seeking? And to say, Lord, I don't want to live life like that. I want to be the real deal. I'm going to follow hard after you. I'm, I'm going to give my all. I'm going to seek you like I never have before. And I'm going to take possession. I'm going to take, I'm going to take ownership of your promises. Because in you, there's no darkness at all. And it's impossible for you to lie. And I'm going to live my life with gratitude. Knowing that you're going to come through. When? At just the right time. Lord, I thank you for it. Some of you are in, in a rough state right now and, and, and you have a lot of tension in your world. And I want you to do something. I want you to go home. I want you to find a promise of God and lay hold of it and say to God, Lord, according to your word, this is what you said you would do. And I take possession of it today. I take ownership of that promise. And I thank you that it will be done. In Jesus' name, I receive it by faith. And in the eyes of God, in the mind of God, in the timeline of God, it's already done. And you'll see it at just the right time. And I've seen this to be true over and over and over and over again. I've done my very best to encourage you in the faith today, to strengthen you in the faith today. Don't miss a Sunday as we continue to go through this series. In fact, invite somebody to come to church with you. One invitation can change a life. So invite somebody to come with you. And by the way, if any of you can make a change to the eight o'clock service, we're about to enter a season of growth. And if you were saying, you know what? I'd be tempted to go to the eight o'clock. Don't be tempted, just do it, all right? Because we, we, need, we need to free up some parking spaces and some seats for people who don't know Jesus. So if you can come to the eight o'clock service, switch with us. I'll tell you the same spirit of God that ministers here, ministers at eight o'clock in the morning too, all right? It just takes a, a few more cups of coffee for that to happen, but not from the Holy Spirit, from you. Okay, you're the one that has to drink the, the coffee. Although I'm sure the Holy Spirit is fine with that. Okay, let's stand up. I've done my best to present the word of God to you today. You were meant to live a life of faith. I promise you this, listen, new song, listen, listen to your pastor. I promise you, look at my face, look, look at my eyes, I promise you, it is the will of God for you to live a life of faith. I promise you, I promise, I guarantee it. God always rewards faith, always. 
He always rewards those who earnestly, diligently seek after him. So let's make him the focal point of our lives. Let's open up our hands toward heaven. Heavenly Father, once again, we surrender our life to you. I surrender my life to you. Today, I choose to be all in, to pursue you with all that I have, with all that I am. Today, I choose to, to be a person of faith, to take ownership of the promises found in your word. Today, I choose to take ownership of them. And your word is a legal binding contract in which it is impossible for you to lie. And it is evidence to me that you're going to do the miraculous. And I thank you for doing it. Now, Lord, I pray for every single person who's struggling with an issue in their life right now that you would give them a promise, lead them to a promise that they can take ownership of, that they can believe, that they can de declare, that they can pray. And Lord, do the impossible in their world, in their life, in their situation, knowing that nothing is impossible with you. I thank you for it, Lord. So I speak healing, I speak deliverance, I speak restoration. Lord, I call those lost children back to you, Lord. Have mercy upon them, I pray. Protect them, I pray, Lord. For those who are hurting, for those who are depressed, encourage them, strengthen them, I pray, Lord. And give them a promise to lay hold of and to believe for. Not because we are good, but because you are good. And we thank you in advance for your blessings, for the miraculous. Could we just lift our hands toward heaven very quickly? Lord, thank you for blessing me with the miraculous. Thank you for answering my prayers. Thank you, thank you for honoring your word. I worship you, Lord, because in you there is no darkness at all. You are perfect in all of your ways. You're good in all of your ways. And you deserve praise. You deserve glory. It all belongs to you. All glory to our God. We pray it in Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.